Thanks for checking out the Reality Breached Jackson Spotlight. This episode is with local DJ and chef Austin Brickabrack Lee. We talk about his latest adventure as the director of culinary operations of Boca Pizzeria and Cultivation Food Hall. We also get deep into music and DJing. Prepare to learn things about pizza and music that you never even knew existed. This one is pretty special. We've known this guy a long time. Good friend of the show. We hope you enjoy it. Austin Lee on the Jackson Spotlight. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Reality Breaches Jackson Spotlight. I am your co-host Robert Morris, aka Never Lost. A.K.A. LeBron should have had me on the team. A.K.A. Space Jam needs me in the movie. Sold out automatically. Like, I don't understand this. this Let me introduce you, you first. <laughs> of you being a basketball player. Hey, man, you don't know my skills. I don't. I never lost. I never lost at Pig. I never lost at, at, at Cal. I never lost at 21. I never lost at the three point contest at the house where you had the the crack was the three point line <laughs> <laughs> in in the snow. It was up on the hill, kind of. Up yeah, on the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never lost. I was a lefty, but my fade was killer. Okay, kind of like Ben Roethlisberger throwing to Antonio Brown. That's the wrong sport, but it's definitely the wrong sport. <laughs> um, but why? Anyway, um, the guy that I'm arguing with is uh, none other than Sergio Lugo, the creator of Reality Breach. How you doing, baby? Fantastic. Awesome. Throw that in there. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Call, ooh, call them all, baby, baby. Yeah. What's in a little bit too? <laughs> yeah, my dog, baby. <laughs> Man, we got to talk about his uh, Facebook um, uh, Boosie Collins. Oh. Uh, his his Facebook's amazing. Um, the, the, and the person I'm talking to, I should introduce him first, right? <laughs> <laughs> the person that I'm talking to is none other than Jackson's very own DJ Bricker Brack, aka Lost Austin Lostin. Austin Austin E. Austin. <laughs> his government. <laughs> Austin Lee, what's going on, man? It's uh, not much, man. I mean, it took me hearing you say that to realize that I don't really know if I should be going by Brick or Brack anymore. I haven't DJed in like over a year and a half. Nah, that's been nah. You DJed at um, you DJed at 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 yeah, that's right. I that's needed right. some money. <laughs> I was like, Austin, I mean, bring a brag. You looked at me like, no. No, I didn't. <laughs> you didn't see me here. Yeah. No, other than that, I haven't DJed in a year and a half straight up. So, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Oh, your vinyl collection is out the wazoo. Thank you. I don't think I even, you know, I don't think you've even seen all of it. There's still like six. Eight more crates out of the garage. I got too much. With with too much. I don't even have maybe out of those was that a was that an eight? Was that eight, one, two, three, yeah, eight mm-hmm. little shelf thing that you have right there? I probably have one. So I have eight, <laughs> eight, ten, six, and probably six or eight more. Yeah, I got a lot of crates of records. It's a pain in the ass to move, though. That's the one thing I hate is having mm-hmm. to move because it is 30, 40 crates of records every time I, I move, and it's kind of a pain. But 
you know, I really do need to go through it because I've reached this point, or I had reached this point as a DJ, and I don't really understand it. I don't know if y'all go through it in your profession, but mm-hmm. everybody thinks that I want every piece of shit that has anything to do with DJing. So, <laughs> broken turntables, grandma's old Christian records, I get all of it. And people just give it to me, and I'm too nice to go, eh, I don't put that back in your car. I don't <laughs> really care that you drove all this way with this. but And I take it, and so I just have probably six broken turntables out in the oh god like, ranging. And I've gotten rid of giving Venom a couple of them. I've uh-huh. thrown a few away, but... Every time, I don't know if that's a normal thing in any artist's life, but everybody just gives me any piece. So, probably one twentieth of my collection is just pure, absolute trash. <laughs> yeah, it does not. Be- it belongs in a goodwill where it will stay for the next twenty years. Yeah, um, but yeah, I uh, I definitely need to go through it. But if you go to any one of these random boxes and pick one out, you probably catch something pretty good honestly <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't doubt it um you have any i'm probably sure, I'm pretty sure you got a lot of funkadelic yeah, yeah, yeah. Funkadelics. right now everything's just uh with the moves that i've had mm-hmm. to do in the past little while everything is just completely mm-hmm. spaced out um so i don't have it organized i don't know where anything is like nothing at all uh but it's there i know what i have you know uh, plenty of stuff like that for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so are you almost completely done with with the move? Because the house is the house. This we're, we're we're in his new abode, and <laughs> it looks like somebody was living in the seventies. Like this, this house looks like it's hosted one or two key parties. No, totally, totally. <laughs> um, I'm expecting to find a hidden door somewhere that has a two way mirror behind or some shit. Like, uh, this house definitely, because it was built in the 50s, and it definitely looks like it was built in the 50s, but it looks like I've always said in the 70s, somebody came through and was like, let's do something to this place. <laughs> <laughs> and all they had was like, $2,000. And so yeah. they put some <laughs> cast iron in here uh, to separate the room, tore a wall down, and called it a new place. But yeah, I f- <laughs> fucking love this house. I'm pretty happy with it. It's way too big for me, though. Let's talk about Boca Pizza. Yeah. In the Cultivation Center. Pizzeria. Pizzeria. My yes. first time be I've been there twice. All right. Yeah, I've already told you. Uh-huh. I've been there twice looking for you. Yeah. To, to, to show, so you can see me seeing, showing me, seeing me behind you. <laughs> you see, you see, <laughs> were you CCing me like yeah. on an email or seeing me while CCing me? I CC'd. Well, seeing me were there. Well, we were both chilling. Well, well, I don't know. I, I see, I see, I see, see a lot of people to see if you was there, and then you wasn't there. So I deleted the thread, and started it again, and I went back again, and the shit wasn't there. So I got a crate out of a, out of aggression. Man, uh, Sergio, has this gone too far already? No, I was about to make a BCC joke. <laughs> That's why no one saw it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too far. Too far. Well done, sir. That was quick. Oh, was man. Quick. But the Pete, um, I, I went there and um, you got it, and it was it was great. Thank you. The, the pizza's really good. It's, You're it's not a, just saying that for radio. No, sake. I'm just no, it's, it's a, we were talking about it on the way over here. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a niche. Yeah. The type of pizza. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, that's how you described it to me when I first asked you mm-hmm. about it. You know, he's like, it's for certain, it's it's a certain taste of pizza. Yeah. And I mean, I still eat pizza every few weeks that isn't what I make in my restaurant. Mm-hmm. Because pizza, that's the best part about it is it can be so 
so incredibly different. But it's like one of the simplest forms of food out there. It's water flour, and that's all you really need, to be Mm -hmm. honest, to get things started. And then you just throw some cream of some sort they used to use, even, you know what I mean? And then it turned into cheese and all that. But um, our tomatoes, for example, you know, people talk about our tomato sauce all the time. Did you think the sauce was good? Like the pizza sauce on it? Yes. Yeah, the sauce was different. Like I wasn't, I was like, sweet but tangy and Mm -hmm. there's nothing in it it's just tomatoes but it's just the best tomatoes you can buy it is san marzano tomatoes from san marzano italy those are the only tomatoes that are meant to be on a true italian pizza and that's what we're trying to do is just recreate a you know 700 year old pizzeria uh here using Mm -hmm. the simplest best things that we can find um you know i love to use local when i can but in order to do this project we have to import a lot but to me that's local we're we're pulling from the local region that we're trying to emulate you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so it's a there's gives and takes you know what i mean in that aspect but that's what i love about it the most is it is one of the simplest things that you can make and when you're that simple you have to be perfect every time you can't be simple and shitty nobody Nobody has any respect for that whatsoever. But when you're simple and perfect, then there's something to say about that. Right. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, as a chef, you start out as a weird artist and you just want to add everything together that you can think of. Let's try (laughs) mustard and strawberries. Let's try Worcestershire. And I mean, I've tried some of the weirdest shit you've ever thought of because why not? You know, as a chef, like, I'm supposed to be exploring flavors. I'm supposed to be trying new things. I'm supposed to be, you know, the best chefs in the world are breaking boundaries like that. So why not try to push them? And you make some shit, and then you make some really good stuff. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody taste the shit. Only let the garbage can taste it. Mm -hmm. And then let everybody taste the good stuff. And you you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But when you're making food like this, it's that easy. It speaks for itself. You know, we're getting... um, Prosciutto de Parma, for example, comes from Parma region in Italy. There's prosciutto. Everybody's eating prosciutto, but if you haven't eaten prosciutto de Parma, where prosciutto came from, you've never eaten real prosciutto. Because Parma is where Parmesan cheese is made, Parmesan region, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So when they're processing the Parmesan cheese and making the cheese, the whey that comes off of it, they feed that to the pigs. And the pig, the, the prosciutto that you're eating, the ham from these pigs that you're eating actually tastes like Parmesan cheese. And you Jesus can't recreate Christ. that in any way, shape, or form. And other prosciuttos are aged for a few months. This is aged for at least a year and a half. You know, we're talking one ha- half of a leg is like $350. It's some of the, but it's the best products in the world. You don't have to do anything to that. You just let it ride, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's what's really exciting me about this project is I've never gotten to be simple, and it takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of courage and a lot of balls to be simple in the art game, yeah. you know, and that's what I consider being a chef to be. So it's really exciting for me. Have I talked too much? No. No, 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 no. It's funny because when, when we did the podcast with your brother, it's the same thing. He he gets on the subject, he goes, and we just sit back and listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We leaves, we gift of gab it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we like to talk. But yeah, I'm 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 a weird artist chef, you know. I've I've spent my whole career trying to be different and trying to do things that people haven't done and then recreate incredibly weird things that people have done. And you know, to do something like this is it's just completely – I can't really describe it, man. It's completely different because being so simple, you would imagine it's easy. Mm-hmm. But it really is not. Yes, it's just flour, salt, 
water and, you know, yeast. But you were off by 1%, 2% of your ratio. You're not hitting your proper, you know, dough. You're not making the right thing. So mm-hmm. even though it's incredibly simple, it is incredibly intricate. Um, most places will make their dough and let it rise and proof and maybe sit in the fridge overnight or something like that. Mm-hmm. We do a two-day fermentation for ours. So we let it rise for two solid days. Now imagine you made a dough wrong on Monday. You don't figure it out that it's wrong until, until Wednesday, Wednesday oh, when you're supposed to be serving that. And that's all you made on Monday to be served on Wednesday. So if you have to throw all that in the garbage, you're just fucked. Yeah, like, right. You just really are fucked. So, yeah, you, you have to trust your system. You have to trust what you've come up with and just a little bit of a prayer, even though I don't believe in God. A little bit of a prayer <laughs> to whatever it is out there that you pray to that the shit comes out right. Like... We were getting dogged in the beginning because, first of all, when any restaurant opens, it's just far too busy. Far too busy for you to handle. You're not ready for it. Nobody's ever ready for it. You can't order enough. You can't spend enough money getting ready for it. You're just going to get your ass handed to you. But we were out of dough quite a few nights when we first opened a pizza place that only serves pizzas pretty much. That was (laughs) out of dough. Out of dough at 7.30. Out of dough at 8 o'clock. Yeah, when you don't close till 11. So this is serious shit. And people wondering, you know, how the fuck can a pizza place be out of dough? Which I completely understand the sentiment. But a two-day fermentation, <laughs> when you're out of dough, you're out of dough. I can you either can just whip some up. Mm, yeah. I, and I can't use dough that's only been on one day. It's not developed enough. It doesn't have that sourdough kind of flavor that y'all are getting probably when you eat it. Is that's, that's that building of flavor is that slow fermentation. And it doesn't taste right. It doesn't rise right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't smell right. It doesn't anything right. So I'm not going to serve that. So I have to piss a bunch of people off one night just to hold my standard like this mm-hmm. this game is fucked <laughs> it really is <laughs> man that pissing off to me are like the definition of a yuppie if we were motherfucker up it if we were living in a yuppie like the first time i walked into cultivation mm-hmm. i stopped at the front door and i was like i'm doing this i'm doing this for my friend <laughs> I literally said that. I was like, I'm doing yeah. this for my friend. Yeah. I looked at the bar and I was like, none of those people drink. <laughs> Everybody in this building just came from yoga or tennis. What the yeah. hell is going on? Like, I was seeing both. I was seeing like spin. I was like, this is a civilization. Yeah. It's like, fucking weird. You can live in the apartments. You can work there mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. one of the buildings or the banks or whatever. Man, and if you live in those apartments, you don't work. <laughs> like you don't work that much. Those things are expensive as hell. Most of the people who are there, like this, is one of their third homes. Yeah, just, I mean, we got people who are eating three meals a day at cultivation. Like this is their little retirement community. Real talk, man. Because there's shops, there's restaurants, there's, mm-hmm. and it's the new place in town. We even have a dude uh, named Steve who literally ate pizza from Boca Pizzeria three days, uh, three times a day for the first like month and a half we were open. Oh God, he was there every day. Man. Wow. God bless you. Love you. Every, I mean, he's obviously one of my favorite people in the world, mm-hmm. but he's like pushing our pizza to other people, eating it literally every single day, multiple times a day, um, and just could not get enough. The whole time, of course, bitching about how he's supposed to be on a diet, and we're stopping him from being on a diet. <laughs> 
I'm supposed to be on a diet. You know, white people problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm supposed to be on a diet, but I'm rich. But I'm rich, and this new pizza place just opened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, God love him. He's a, an amazing man, you know, to be uh, that big of a fan of what we're doing. But like you said, it's a niche, man. It's it, When people like this kind of stuff, they really love this kind of pizza. And if you don't, you don't. I understand, because I like 20 different kinds of pizza. Like every different kind you put in my face, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So. I had it for the first time Thursday. Okay. And uh, I, much like Robert, I walked in and I was like, oh. <laughs> and I had a t-shirt on. I was like, oh, I, I'm not dressed for Yes, this. you are. You're good. I'm like, oh, shit. Go back to your car and put on some spandex under some shorts. <laughs> and, be fine. And, and, you know, you know after that, that, that initial just punch in the face of, oh. Yeah. I live in Rankin County. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Real, I mean, um, for everything and, and, we're saying, though, is it not one of the coolest looking buildings? Oh, like it is. Restaurant, it is. Dining like, it is. With, the, it is. with it is. the thing on the ceiling that says cultivation, that's mm-hmm. one of the coolest light setups I've ever seen. Anyway, sorry. It's fancy. It's classy. Like, good job. Yeah. You know? But it's, def- it's it's a shock it's, to walk it, into. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, yes, it's a culture thing. Yeah. It's not as much for me, though, to be honest, because I was head chef of Bobaloo for a while. And Bobaloo is like... Bobaloo is the epitome, and I still eat a Bobaloo twice a week sometimes. <laughs> that Bobaloo burger is still one of the best things in the world. Everybody knows that I'm addicted to it. It's one of, I mean, and the whole menu is fantastic. But Bobaloo is the epitome of get the white women, you'll get everybody else. Yes. And that place was built for white women specifically. Mm-hmm. It's cheeky little fancy type food. It's not too fancy. It's not <laughs> a stick. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like, like, and, like what was it? Like, I sat down and they brought the water out in some, like, water flute. Yeah. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> oh, you sat down? It's white women shit. When you was at Cultivation, you no, said Bobaloo, no, Bobaloo. Bobaloo. Oh, because I went to the back. I was just like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> one, one of your employees uh-huh. told, looked at me and she was like, you all right? I'm saying, I don't... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> she like, oh. She's like an old saint. I feel like it was Bagger Vance moment. What's what, when were you there um, again? I was there. Oh, this was this is months ago. But what day of the week? Uh, and what time? I, I don't remember. It was it was may, probably later on in the week, probably Thursday or Friday. Okay. Oh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. Uh-huh. One of those. One of those days. Younger maybe, girl, older girl, older. Older oh lady. God, I think I know who you're talking about. And she. And this was, sounds exactly perfect. For she her. she looked at me. She said, "Now look, if you go around this around the corner." Okay, there's a whole section back there. <laughs> they sometimes they have the TV down, and you could just sit there and watch TV, and and you know you get away from all the and all she, of this. She looked at, she was like, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I look at her, and I come hug. And so I went around, I went back there, and there was more people back there, mm-hmm. and it was like this table of of I'm okay and say it for for white women. Uh-huh. The that bit, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> and like, I turned, I was like, and then I looked to the right and I saw this old white dude and like some like this leather chaps, like he's been riding yeah. his motorcycle. And I was like, nah, fuck this. Yeah, and I went back around and I went to go get a drink, and then I felt I felt insulted because <laughs> I went to go get a drink. And I'm like, let me get uh, Woodford Reserve. And I don't even. What did you say? Woodford Reserve. Fair enough. And just. I saw it. I was like, okay, at least they got good taste. Uh huh. And she poured me. I'm so used to going to Finian's and all these other things. <laughs> and like pouring Just me. dirty hippies going. Glup, glup, glup. <laughs> hey, let me get it. Let me get it neat. Depression. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like depression worthy 
a mount of alcohol. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and they get this little ass shot glass thing and she pours it all in and put it in the glass. They put like a scoop full of fucking ice in it. And I'm just looking at it like, okay. This is what? Six dollars, six seven dollars. She's like, oh, it's ten. I said it is well, how much? She said ten. I said, I'll go ahead and swipe it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I had that and then uh and then the the uh the, the pizza came out. That was the second time I, well no, second time I was mm-hmm. there. Uh and I had the Brussels sprouts with it. Thank you. That time and I I told you about those <laughs> uh-huh. them goddamn Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. bro. I've been fire. using those for years, man. That's one of my favorite recipes in the world because, again, simplicity yeah. is always going to win out. And that's because, I mean, those things at, at Boca, our first highest selling item is our pepperoni pizza, of course. The yeah. owner didn't want a pepperoni pizza because he's fucking pure Italian. And I completely understood that. But I was like, dude, you are in Mississippi. <laughs> we have to figure something out here. <laughs> so what we can. What we kind of figured out was, if you'll read the menu closely, it actually pepperonis in quotations because we don't order a pepperoni. Because a pepperoni is a type of forced meat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a type of cured sausage. Um, so we order a salami picante that is way better. But once you cook it, it turns the same color as pepperoni, and it looks like pepperoni. But we're actually serving a 10 times better product than pepperoni. Like, that's – because that's, that's what I had. Okay. I, that's what I had. And I bit into it. I was like – that's not pepperoni. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I it's good, though, right? Because, <laughs> like, you know, I, I sat down, and I, and I was like, okay, I'm going to eat this. This doesn't look like anything that I would ever uh-huh. voluntarily choose to eat. Yeah. You know, because it's got the it's got the, the square pizza and then this this thing that looks like a salad. Oh, you had the lunch special. I had the lunch special. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a completely different type of pizza too. We'll talk about that in a second. No, if you'd like. oh. no a totally different kind. We make two kinds of pizza. But I bit into it. I was like, okay, all right, all right, yeah. all right. This 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 is lunch. Yeah, you know. And <laughs> and so I ate all of it and I was like, okay, okay. Well, I supported my buddy. Yeah. Fantastic. And left. Yeah. And then got in the car and I was like, shit. I wish that was bigger. Yeah. It sounds good. No, it was like, a little, yeah. Yeah, it, like, it, it didn't hit me how how good it tasted yeah, yeah. until afterwards when I was like, I want more of that. <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, the Roman-style pizza. Now, that's one of the trickiest pizzas to kind of perfect, mm-hmm. um, and I still haven't. I am constantly working on that recipe, and we're tweaking it and trying to perfect it, but... Um, hands down, I need fresh yeast, and that's um, almost impossible to find and always way too expensive. They make you buy large quantities, and it dies within six days, and you don't need that much to do oh. what we're doing. So we would be paying for 200 pounds of yeast a year and using about 10 throughout the year. Oh, like, wow. Throwing it in the garbage, buying it and throwing it in the garbage. So... um. Either way, it's a really tricky dough because it's supposed to be light, airy, fluffy, and all of that, but not too thick. What I've kind of compromised with, because, again, I know we're in the South, and I do want to have some tweaks in there that favor Southern people, is, do y'all know what focaccia bread is? Mm-mm. Hands down the greatest no. bread that has ever existed. It's an Italian bread. You've probably had it, but the thing that makes it so fantastic is it's light, it's fluffy, but it is soaked in oil, so it basically fries the outside of it. So it's okay. nice and crispy and then soft, and then you coat it with like a cup of sugar and ground up rosemary before you – or salt, I mean, not sugar, salt. About a cup of salt, just – 
tons of salt on top of this thing and then bake it. So it's just pure salt, fried, spongy bread. It's one of the greatest things <laughs> oh in the entire God. world. So I've basically <laughs> adapted a focaccia type recipe and started making pizza out of it. And that's the thing is, it's real funny you say that because that's kind of how I always feel about focaccia bread is I eat a piece or two. And then, like, 30 minutes later, I'm like, where's the rest of that focaccia bread? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, I was like, fuck. I'm going to have to go home and eat something. Yeah. Because, like, I want some more of this pizza. Well, what did you think of the fennel salad? Did you try that? I tried that. That, yeah. was, not, that was not my, my It's not my everybody's bag. thing. That's yeah. why I ask. And well, I, I'm, I'm expecting I'm not that. An, I'm not an oil salad guy. Sure, sure. Yeah. But um, I ate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also <laughs> depends on, you know... Just like anything that's simple and has to be perfect, it has to depend. It depends a little bit on who makes it. You know, if somebody puts a little bit too much oil or not enough salt or anything like that. I, the the restaurant business and especially being a chef can be. It can get to a point of psychotic wanting to be that perfect because mm-hmm. you have to imagine the fact that a fourth of a fingernail worth of salt can cost you an entire dish and ruin somebody's night. That little of a mistake can make you pay Jesus. for their meal and have to pay for somebody else's. Depending on the customer, of course, depending on this, depending on that, but that's just one ingredient. We're putting out dishes with 20 of them in some restaurants. Like There's so much room to screw up, but every time you screw up, somebody makes you pay for it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike any other industry, I think, in the world, because you are... You are producing things, and people are judging them within ten seconds, and that just doesn't really happen that and, often. And, and they're doing it literally in the same building, sometimes uh-huh. in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's it's, it's real time feedback. And that that right there is the good feedback. To be honest with you, that's what you want is for people to speak up when something's wrong. Speak up, tell me, let me make it better. Um, you know, I, I've always thought that I, I didn't when I was a young chef. When you're 23 years old and you're the executive chef of your own restaurant in Boulder, Colorado, you couldn't tell me fuck. You couldn't tell me <laughs> a goddamn word. Shut the fuck up. I'm the chef. I got this. I wrote the menu. And I was such a cocky fucking asshole. And I've learned so much, you know, since then. But, you know, when you start out, you're cocky and you're arrogant. And if a guest doesn't like it, well, that's their fault. They're idiots. Of course, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. But you have to grow up and realize like if they didn't like it, you probably fucked up. And it's okay. You probably fucked up. And that's all right. Mm-hmm. You know, we we judge ourselves so much, I think, growing up on whether we fuck up or not when, you know, you learn later it's what you do about the fuck up that really defines you. And it takes so long for your arrogance to get over that. I don't know. Me especially, I can say I, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but it took me a long time to get over that as a, as a chef um, because I was emulating every chef I'd ever seen that was just a dick bag made really great food that's what they all were Mm -hmm. but these days you can't be that anymore you can't be that chef anymore it just doesn't work i'm really surprised gordon ramsay hasn't been shanked well in his restaurants he doesn't act like that anymore he just acts like that for tv it was real back in the day because in the 80s and 90s you could do that because you were paying people enough to live you could talk shit to them all you wanted to. Mm-hmm. These days, you ain't paying people enough for their rent. So they're like, you don't fucking talk to me like that. I can go get a shittier job with decent pay and not get talked to like that. Mm-hmm. And that's fair enough to them. God bless them. That's, that's really yeah. what they should have been saying this whole time is, you know, this is just a job. You can't really disrespect me like that because there's other jobs out there. Now, if you go back and watch the old documentaries of Gordon Ramsay actually yelling at people real in his first restaurant, the people who survived and stuck there with him for three and a half years are now all multimillionaire restaurateurs who have their own Michelin star restaurants and all mm-hmm. that. So there was a payoff. Um, 
Gordon Ramsay used to cry at the hands of Marco Pierre White, his first chef. Marco Pierre White treated everybody worse than Gordon Ramsay does. In fact, he has his own Hell's Kitchen with celebrities in England. Like, he's the bad boy chef. He was the first English chef to, like, win Michelin stars and all of that. But again, you could do all of that back then. You can't fucking get away with that anymore. So you have to... We've had to switch our whole gears and learn how to manage with actually giving a shit about people. Oh, it's really no. actually pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it totally is, man. <laughs> yeah, you, oh, oh, we have to care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. No, man. Work uh, morality? Yeah. It's that corny, <laughs> that corny shit that people will post on Facebook, but it's totally real, man. Like, the customer is 100% king and always will be. The customer's right. They have to be. That's... I, I, I preach to my students so hard because uh, I teach at Heinz too. On top of this, um, Word. I, I, I teach my students that your job is not to cook. Your job is not to wait tables. Your job is not to clean this. Your job is not to do any of that shit. Your job is to serve. That's your job. Whatever form that takes, it's, it is called the service. It is industry. the fucking service industry. Yeah. Break it down to its simplest form. You are here to serve. That means that anybody that walks in, anything they want, you got them. Anything in the world. And Babalu people used to sit at the bar and want a seafood pasta. I didn't have. I, we didn't have a seafood pasta. We didn't even have pasta. <laughs> So I'd send somebody to McDade's, and they would buy pasta noodles, and we would make this person a seafood pasta. They'd sit down at the bar and want a beer that we didn't have. Beer bartender would run over to McDade's, grab them the beer that they wanted, and sell it to them. Service. Like, serve people. And really, that's the... That's the flip that happened in my mind when I realized that the guest is actually right when they tell me my food sucks. Because food can suck. You can't be perfect every single fucking time. Especially when you're relying on a crew of six people and you treat them like shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's true. Because they'll be like, man, fuck this shit. Fuck you. I'm putting too much salt in this. Yep. You see what I'm saying, man? Um, <laughs> yeah. Before they don't pay me enough for this shit. These fine little lines that you have to walk in this industry are just absolutely crazy. But if you... If you break it all down and you just make it about service, then you're open to do what is right for that person. It's not, get the fuck out of my restaurant, you're an asshole just because you didn't like my food. It's, you didn't like my food, I will buy you another meal. I will buy you two more meals. Um, quick story, man. Babalu taught me a lot about service. I really do have a lot to owe to that place. It's, mm-hmm. it's really amazing because I was on this path of like really understanding what it really meant to serve people. And then you come along to a management team like Babalu had, and it's balls-to-the-wall service. I've never understood anything like it. Um, and when I opened the Babalu in Memphis... We had our soft opening. Soft openings are the worst things ever. They're when you invite people um, through invitation only, and they pay half price or nothing to eat at your restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like your first time ever actually serving people with your crew that you're training. So you fuck up all night. But people are only paying half or nothing, so it doesn't matter. But you get your ass handed to you for the first time. And we're doing opening night. None of our cooks... They've only been cooking this food for five days, and now they're serving the public. And we had this lady that just would not stop complaining. Mind you, free meal, but would not, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. She goes home and gets on Yelp. Mind you, free meal, 
but still feels the need to tell people that we are the worst restaurant that has ever opened in Memphis, right? That there's no way that's true. Are you hearing my blood boiling? Because <laughs> well, I mean, that's what that's uh, probably not now, but but that's the way it was. Is I was like this fucking bitch because that's that's our life, man. People step in and try to ruin everything we work right. every day on. All these little perfections, and when one perfection isn't right, and they claim it's because of their high standards, but then go to Domino's the next day. It has nothing to do with your standards. You're just trying to feel important. You mm. fucking asshole on the internet. Yep. Either way, um, yep. yeah, it's made some people feel entitled, like a motherfucker. Feel really, really important. I, I, I quote my brother Garrett Lee. I, I wish I could feel that important. Like, <laughs> I wish I knew what that felt like, right? Um, but anyway, <laughs> she just will not shut up. And of course, I want to get on Yelp and just. You know, tap every key that I can and just go off. Just say, soft open. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You didn't pay anything. Why do you expect everything? But either way, um, they get on and respond to her and tell her, we're sorry, of course, which is the right thing to do. Um, Come back and we'll buy you another meal. What do you think she replies? No, no, I will will not be there. This is the worst thing I've ever had in my life. I'm telling everybody I know, blah, blah, blah. This place is awful. That's when I would have gone. That's when you would have gone off. I can see it boiling in you, right? It's happening right now. No, 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 no. They didn't. They stayed cool. Um, They said, what if you invited five of your friends and we paid for everybody? No, she refused to come back. But at Babalu, nobody leaves unhappy. Nobody doesn't care. It doesn't matter what it takes. So they hit her back and said, what's your favorite restaurant? She told them their favorite, her favorite restaurant. They bought her a $300 gift card to that restaurant. Jesus Christ. Nobody leaves unhappy, dude. That's how Babalu opened. And within its second week was doing $130,000 in sales in a week. Like in food, guys, of little plates, of small plates. We're talking 1,300 little plates of food a day. Um, yeah, that's how you treat people right. It, it, your food doesn't matter, man. It really the doesn't. Bottomless mimosas, man. No, <laughs> that's what matters. No, your food doesn't matter at a restaurant, man. Consistency matters. That's all that matters. Quality doesn't mean shit. Everybody likes to believe that they care about quality when they're spending their money, but every one of us shops at the fucking Dollar Tree when we want to. Yeah. Right? We don't care about quality. We care about consistency. Now, the things at the Dollar Tree, they're going to break on you, right? Mm -hmm. Every time. But that that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Just going to go get more from the Dollar Tree. Just going to go get more, right? It's cheaper. Burger King, they fuck up your burger, your dollar burger. Doesn't matter. You paid a dollar. But they're consistently bad, right? Mm -hmm. That's what matters is consistent. (laughs) They are consistently bad. But (laughs) if you give somebody a perfect pizza 20 times in a row and then give them a fucked up pizza, they have a right to be upset because that pizza costs $16, $18. You know what I'm saying? Um, Consistency is everything that matters. We could give them 20 shitty pizzas in a row like CeCe's and they'll still be happy because it's consistent. (laughs) Shout out CC's. I eat CC's all the fucking time. CC's, uh, man. man. CC's Alfredo pizza is in my top five pizzas mm-hmm. on the planet, and I uh, fucking love it. But that's real, though, right? It, it, as long as it's consistent at what it is, people are going to keep coming back. It's when you throw them off. So that's been the battle we've been facing is tweaking these doughs, getting them perfect, watching the humidity down here. The humidity affects how dough rises and stuff um, so that we can offer the same pie every day. And we were not doing a good job of that in the first month, month and a half. Um, but we're back on track. I took my spring break and ran a, a boot camp to retrain everybody and the whole restaurant. I was there you know, five, six days in a row. Um, 
doing orientations, training on paper, training on the job, um, all kinds of crazy stuff. I just didn't sleep for a whole week during spring break, and then I finally got to sleep on all day Saturday and Sunday <laughs> before I went back to school. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, the, I've gotten used to that. That's one thing that it takes sometimes is just not sleeping for a week and getting the shit done. Yeah, There's really nothing else I could have done. I just had to stay up all week and just keep hustling, man. Keep fucking hustling. I probably did, you know, 300, uh, 300 pages worth of typing and paperwork to make our training guides our uh, opening closing list order guides price lists food costing yeah just staying up way too late and doing way too much and then of course you know that was just spring break that's the only time that i get to do it because i'm teaching all the other time you know so it just had to be done yeah like like we were trying to schedule this what a month ago two months ago we're trying to schedule this right around the week of that that was happening and I feel where you were coming from, and I wanted to try to make it happen with you because you were like, this is a good time to do this podcast because I was right in the thick of all this bullshit that I'm talking about right now. I was When we first talked about it, I was two days with no sleep, and yeah. I was already – it was, and we talked at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I was drunk. It was 1230 or 1 o'clock in the yeah. morning, and you hit me up. <clears throat> And I was like, dude, I'd fucking love to, but I can't tell you where I'm going to be 15 minutes from now. Like, and that's how it's going <laughs> to, that's how the fuck it's going to be for the next, honest to God, month or two. Like when you get a restaurant going and you're the one who answers the questions, there's a lot of fucking questions in the first three months of a business being open. You know what I mean? Um, unless you are a corporate franchise entity who has hundreds of thousands of dollars put into building these systems, you don't think of every bit of it. and You don't have time to put every bit of it into place before you start. So you just you, you have a lot of work to catch up on. But, yeah, I think that would have been really cool to catch up with you in like in the middle of that but there was just no fucking way i was gonna be able to yeah be here at nine o'clock i don't know where the fuck i'm gonna be at nine o'clock, man. it's like shit yeah case in point man the other night um we have first of all mississippi's horrible for kitchen workers you could have stopped right after horrible horrible no it's horrible for kitchen workers and it's understandable because again um people aren't willing to put up with a lot when they're not paid a lot and when you're talking about one of the most impoverished states in america then obviously the low-end service type workers are going to be the ones that really can't do anything else and they don't want to do this job and they don't want to be here and they and they're poor i was an hourly cook and i made it by, but things cost 10 times more now. I used to live in Denver for 400 bucks a month, and you can't even do that here anymore. Yeah. So anyway, we're still paying everybody $9 an hour still. Mm-hmm. So when all of that factors in, you just, you lose a lot of kitchen employees. And I, honest to God, watch it be depression almost every time. I watch these, these guys just, water gets cut off get down on their luck which is the time that you should be working but they just let it hit them and stop showing up to work i'm like fuck this and i understand man throwing your hands up in that situation you know but one guy quit on friday night he didn't show up which means that another guy who was working had to stay until we closed and he freaked out about that and he bounced <laughs> so we had oh, shit. yeah so i'm i've got plans to go to new orleans on that saturday I had two employees quit on a Friday night. They decided to cancel all my plans to go to a crawfish festival. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's my life right now, man. I, I can be set. Everything's glorious. And then all of a sudden, i got to put in 35 hours in the next three days <laughs> to catch everything up. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's where I'm at. But 
But look, man, as long as you keep making them fire as Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> I could make a whole fucking restaurant out of those Brussels sprouts, I swear to God. Those things are so good. I love them. Call, uh, we name it Sprouts with a Z. Yeah, name it Sprouts. Sprouts from the streets mm-hmm. with a big Z on the side and a Sprouts mm-hmm. from the street. Yeah. Don't be a menace in South Central by <laughs> eating your sprouts in the hood. <laughs> 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 There's one other thing I did want to mention and I think is really funny is that I made, you know, we, we decided on the menu, we put everything together, we printed the menu, we tested the recipes, we did all of this. And it wasn't until like three weeks into being in business that somebody goes, um, looking at the menu, y'all, uh, y'all got anything other than pork? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Damn. I'm like, no. <laughs> now, real talk, in my defense, this is pizza in Italy. There is no other thing but pork. Uh-huh. That's fucking it. There's not even hardly meatballs, depending on where you go. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, it's, it's indicative, but we didn't notice that at fucking all. Everything's pork. We wow. have ham on one pizza, salami on the other one, prosciutto on the other one. Um, we have pancetta, which is pork belly. Um, the only thing right now that is not pork that we have is something that I would eat a bucket of. Every chef I know would eat a bucket of, but average Joe thinks it's disgusting. It's duck liver pate. It's the only thing that's not <laughs> pork right now. Duck <laughs> liver pate. Dude, you can't. <laughs> what? Like the answer oh, to that so question. Do you have anything that's not Pork? So yeah, we have duck, duck liver pate. pate. <laughs> that is the new move, actually. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? That's a new way, baby. <laughs> and it like... It's, you in the place to be to eat it. <laughs> it's like shit, and we cut it into triangles. Because <laughs> duck liver pate holds its shape so nicely. But man, that is one of the most delicious things you will ever... If you're into that, of course. If you are, but... It's like me and the other chef in the building, Chef um, Chef Enrica from Fauna Food Works. Mm-hmm. We've had the duck liver pate because it's you know it's not going to go bad. It's duck liver pate. It's sealed. It's been cured. It's been freed of all bacteria. There's no way, right? Um, but we've had it for like a month or two, and that does nothing but, of course, make it get better. And like every two days, <laughs> Chef Enrica would be like. Y'all open that duck liver yet? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to tell you. She's like, oh, I swear to God, if you run out of that duck liver without me having some. <laughs> but yeah, of course, everybody in there thinks it's the grossest thing ever, but I will eat every bite of it. Every bite of it. That's the only non-pork product that we have right now. Come get your duck liver pate, kids. I didn't even know you. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. This is like, hey, man, what'd you do yesterday at work? I learned about duck liver pate, bitches. <laughs> Tell your ass something. Boca, motherfucker. I can't I can't be your advertising post because I'll dress up as Sam Jackson. I was actually gonna ask <laughs> you to do just that and just come stand by our booth and just be like, Bob Boca! Bob Boca, bitch! <laughs> Every time somebody tries to walk past us. <laughs> bitch! You ever had Boca? It's his pizza! <laughs> You ever had Doug liver pate on a piece of motherfucker? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> get you drunk. <laughs> Chefs eat that shit. <laughs> You're welcome. So, so like when we started doing this, uh, this, this, this spotlight, right? We, uh, the idea was, hey, let's talk to people around town that we respect, people that we 
think are doing something good for the community or just have have a cool product, have a cool store, mm-hmm. just just things get that, some, that get some free pizza. Yeah, yeah, you know. And <laughs> that was a joke. You know, sometimes the, the 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 interviews kind of rotate around to where we just get to talk to our friends. Yeah, yeah. And I fucking love when it is like when the Venn diagram of dudes that I'm cool with <laughs> and dudes doing cool shit is a circle. I fucking love when that Venn diagram lines up. And and, and this is this is one of those times because yeah. I've known you since when? When did I, I met you in middle, middle school? Middle school, yeah. Yeah, like I can't think of anyone else other than people related to me that I still talk to from middle school. I talk to none of them. Exactly. Except you. You're the yeah. only one. <laughs> so, so for all of this to come full circle is really fucking cool. Awesome, man. I feel the same way. Um, cause I told you like when I came back to town from Denver, you came to like play pool and I was like, dude, we, we need to hang out, man. It's, Cause I hadn't seen you in what? It had been a while. It had been a long while. At least 12 years. Probably. No, it no, been, no. It'd been that long. Not, not 12. I mean, I was going for eight. So didn't it been like eight? Going for one, two. Yeah, I guess I was going for eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. I was tacking uh, Jackson uh, or uh, Starkville time on with it. But yeah, you're right, <laughs> Starkville time. <laughs> now the time that I spent in Starkville, I was kind of uh, lumping that and thinking it was separate. But yeah, about eight or nine years, and I was like, I didn't even say bye to you. But like, no, like I didn't. When you went to when we you went cool, to, man, when you went to state, oh, it was like, okay, oh shit, where'd Austin go? Exactly. <laughs> Austin's like, man. Anybody a- who knows me knows I like to make a very silent exit, no matter what the fuck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I do not like to announce my exit. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you, whether that be a city or a bar, I don't like to announce. Yeah, that. You, you, <laughs> you dipped out of community college at like a half, like a whole semester before everyone else did. <laughs> Um, I had a, a scholarship finagled so that I could get it. Hey, I don't know. Uh, more power to you. Yeah, man. I don't know. They, it was a scholarship that had been sitting in a desk for like five years because nobody qualified for it because it was ridiculous. And it was asking for people who were um, a banking and finance freshman. Baking and banking, banking, oh. banking. Oh, so baking, baking and, and no finance. wonder that shit was so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they needed that, and I was a sophomore, and I wanted a scholarship because I wanted to get the fuck out of Raymond, Mississippi. <laughs> um, and my brothers were in Starkville, and it wasn't until I was seventeen years old that they stopped treating me like shit and actually started treating me like. <laughs> being <laughs> dead serious they'll admit it too and that's when like because you y'all know me and my brothers we mm-hmm. are we're everything yeah mm-hmm. we yeah. are one unit the three of us but it was not that way the lee boys we weren't mm-hmm. the lee boys it was garrett and jess they were they man they ran the world everywhere they went and i had my own crew of friends mm-hmm. and stuff garrett and jess never hung out with us right no but no. they spent all of their time together so when that happened it's like this, you know, super cathartic thing. You're all of a sudden in with your brothers, and they live, you know, in Starkville. <laughs> in the magical in land of yeah. Starkville. So I just bounced out. I followed them. I'll admit it wholeheartedly. I didn't give a fuck about my education, nothing. I just wanted to be around my brothers because I hadn't had a chance to do that my entire life, really. Yeah. Um, so that all ended up working out just because they got me deeper into restaurants and... If I hadn't moved there, Garrett would have never had the chance to give me his old turntables and his old records, and I would not be doing literally anything that I'm doing right now. 
I wouldn't be a chef. I wouldn't be a DJ um, if I hadn't followed them. See, I'm going to follow them to the ends of the earth. <laughs> the good things happen when you follow the Lee brothers. Mm-hmm. Follow Garrett out to Boulder and then then spent seven years in Boulder and Denver um, doing really fucking incredible things that I don't deserve. But I did them, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was really, really awesome. But, yeah, uh, good things happen when the Lee brothers travel in packs. So we're going to continue to do that. That's shit. <laughs> All that from Duck Liver Pate. All that from Duck Liver Pate. Man. Oh yeah, I, I I'm the Lee who talks in circles. By the way, we we I will go in a million different paths. Hopefully, mm-hmm. I circle it back to something that has something. To do oh, that's with cool, dude. I do that all the time. Sometimes <laughs> I do it on purpose just to confuse the yeah, fucker. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for that, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. But as it's just like going into like full circles, I love mm-hmm. doing like going into this circle and then starting another circle yeah. and then starting like another that's, circle. That's, that's how me and you met. Yeah, we <laughs> met drunk. Yeah, we were. At, uh, what the fuck is that place called? Chemistry. Chemistry. We've had really. It was funny because we had really really good conversations mm-hmm. the first two or three times when we met at Chemistry. Drunk. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Keep on re- and, recurring uh, theme. And. I think we got into like a, the, our first friend argument about comic books and movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was a purist at the time. Shampoo is better. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was definitely a purist, and and it was like, and Sergio had to break it down to me, and I I, I he, he, he was right, but anyway, yeah, it's he, the only thing right. you ever admitted that I was right. Oh, we're right. all purists when he's we start right. out at anything, man. Yeah, man, I was pure assholes. We all used to be about music, like <laughs> <laughs> you like that. You sick. <laughs> the fuck kind of dude listens to that? Oh my God, <laughs> you listen to Hibastock. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes from the league is Rafi, the worst character on the league, goes, All right, bros, I'm going to go put seven bucks worth of Hooba Stank in the jukebox and I'm going to come back and hang out. <laughs> it's like, This is genius writing right here. Oh, man. <laughs> I think, I think my, guilty, my guilty pleasure, how oh, I got to think about it. Hold on, I had multiple guilty pleasure. Ten years. Oh, 10 years. Wasteland, that was my shit, man. That's not a guilty pleasure. That's about, that was mine. I, don't, I, I can't think of any guilty pleasures because I'm not, I don't feel with guilty my, about them anymore. With exactly. With like, my, I'm like, past being guilty. Yeah. Yeah. It's my friend group that was definitely a guilty pleasure. Totally, because, totally. You have people to hide it from in some yeah, points. You're like, don't like, get me wrong. Oh, shit. Let me put my Dude, when I was <laughs> when I was in Atlanta and I was making music, I was DJing, and everybody in my crew was six and a half to seven and a half feet tall, and all of them had been to jail. I wasn't telling them about the Ben Folds that I was listening to <laughs> on the way home, right? I wasn't making sure that they understood that the 80s love ballad compilation wasn't in the six disc changer. I'm just not spreading that information around. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know. Um, that's that. You have guilty pleasures, I think, growing up because you feel like you should be ashamed of it, but then uh-huh. we all got uh-huh. too many things to be ashamed of. My guilty, ashamed of that shit. My guilty pleasure shape saved me from a, 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 a like a dive bar in Grenada, Mississippi What's one that? night. Um, What's that guilty pleasure? Oh, country music. Oh, is that one of yours? I sung. I sung. Um, uh, what was his name? Hank I sung. Jr. I sung Hank Williams fucking Junior. <laughs> I sung Christ. all my Roddy friends have settled down. 
Let me tell you something. So happy, I, don't know I walked into that bar and it was and it was older older white people because uh-huh. we're in Grenada uh-huh. and. It was karaoke night, and you know when you walk into a place and everything stops, mm-hmm. we having to walk in and everything stopped. <laughs> right, right, and, and we went up to the bar, and everybody was kind of just timid and stuff. These mm-hmm. who these black dudes? I mean, everybody knew we were soldiers because the way we dressed. Yeah, all our clothes fitted properly. <laughs> so <laughs> we we walk we walking around, and I'm like. I'm about to make these motherfuckers my friends. <laughs> After like well, my third jack. <laughs> I mean, that's a goddamn like weaponized karaoke. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, I manipulated the fuck out of them. Well, I mean, that's a perfect like mid '90s movie scenario. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna mm-hmm. make everybody in here my friend. I did. I sung like that singer from Hootie and the Blowfish playing that. <laughs> and then I sung. Right. And then I sung George Strait. I sung oh, yeah? some fucking George Strait. <laughs> Why don't you do no D White Yoakum? Shit, I did not. Nah, That's my dude right look, there. Let man. me tell you. I listen to D White any day of the week. Once, once I did that, don't call them, him two, them two, them two songs, and then I, then I, then my last one was Toby Keith. I love this bar. I'm telling you, I told you, Sergio. <laughs> I folks with Toby Keith hard. Sergio, I hope you get this reference, but just thank God you didn't sing fucking Bobby McGee. Do you remember how much I used to hate that song? There was this. We used to play pool all the time with this pool hall in um, Byram. Byram, the yeah. rack, the rack. Uh, it turned out to be a meth lab, but that's another story. Did it? Yo, I, you, I, I think I so. I didn't hear about that. I, maybe I might be wrong. <laughs> maybe, but I heard a now, little. Now it's Captain Jack's hot shot. I heard a thing. Oh, okay. I heard oh. a thing. Yeah, meth. Yeah, I heard. I heard a thing. I just that's <laughs> all I know is I heard a thing. Um, but they did karaoke every fucking night, and the woman who ran the karaoke sang like five songs. Yep. 15 times a night when nobody was singing. And so if you played pool as incessantly as we did, which was like eight hours it, in a row. Well, it was, it was like on Sundays. It was free. It was free pool. From noon until so midnight. Like, yeah, t- from noon till midnight. And so we just went up there. And noon. none of us were old enough to drink. So we just <laughs> bought Cokes and played free pool all night. <laughs> they hate us. But this bitch sang Bobby McGee every fucking night, <laughs> like 10 times a night. And I... I wanted to hurt people. <laughs> yeah. That and what's that, what's that other damn song that they would sing every fucking night? No, oh, man. I don't know. Uh, sure is that David Allen Coe song? Uh, Which one is that? The racist one, right? You don't that have to call me darling. Yeah, yeah darling. that fucking it's shit. That, yeah. That fucking God talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I used to get so frustrated at that shit. But then again... I'm the one going into a place in Byram called the Rack. Yeah, <laughs> it's a play pool. You kind of you kind of know what, what you're going the into. What <laughs> was I expecting? Let's like swing this all the way back to the other conversation. Consistency. Consistency. <laughs> exactly. Like know your expectations when mm-hmm. you walk in. Yeah, you'll get an Incubus song sung by Sergio throughout the night. Damn but for right. the most part, you're gonna get <laughs> Bobby fucking McGee. <laughs> <laughs> Golly, I'm glad I didn't roll with y'all back then. Man. Well, I was insanely, I don't know, what, what was I doing? You, I was, were, you were still like middle, no, middle school or something. You? 30. Okay. I was trying to, I just got a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was going on there. I was a player. And we all know the doors that opens. Yep, yep, yep. I was, I was practicing for the Lakers. Tell me, man, I got a jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> Got a mustache. Started buying cigarettes and beer. Yep, yep, yep. 
people's like, man, you, man, you look so stoic. You goddamn right. Yeah. I just passed English. Man, <laughs> well, you were getting a mustache. I think I was growing a chin strap, so don't worry. It could have been. Oh, <laughs> I had the realest of the chin straps when I was in college, man. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but I did. Man, I thought I was in. And when, when we finally got to college, my goatee was probably like down to here. Where? And I thought I was Tech Nine for the longest <clears> time. <throat> and tech Nine? Because I listen to Worldwide Choppers a lot, like every day. <laughs> <laughs> Could tell me shit. I got a weird one, man. Genesis has gotten through. It's uh, got me through some tough times. Mm-hmm. Genesis. Oh like, my god. I uh, Phil Collins is a f- oh fuck genius, genius, absolute. There's shit that people are making right now that he made in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Is done. Like I, I, he's got some shit. Sounds like trap music. Like he's got some <laughs> shit that sounds like anything, man. But I mean, like Bone Thugs and Harmony did it to take me home. Yeah, they didn't do anything to that. That's the beat. Mm-hmm. That's what Phil Collins made. That's his song. They just mm-hmm. started rapping over one of the instrumental parts. That's one of my like, favorite songs. No, totally, man. Yeah, I fucking love that song so much. <laughs> I was listening to it yesterday. I swear to God, man. Yeah, I love that song so much. I, you know, you know, a song I really just, I just, I just love it because in my head, I'm, I'm, I'm making it something that is not, and that's uh, the Spitchy Game remix. Okay. Oh, what's that? Game uh, when they they redid uh, Biggie Smalls the last the last big um, well, I mean, mix like, album I have that a they did. Game single that has like four mixes on it. Like which yeah. one are you talking about? The one with uh, Busy Bone. Oh, and, oh okay, uh, okay, okay. Not Busy Bone, Crazy Bone, and it had Twist on it. Had Twister, Crazy Bone, A Ball, MJG. I might have missed that one. Yeah, man. it was. It, it's. It's intense. So it's okay. like spit your game, talk your shit, grab your gag, call your click, whatever, all that stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, but it was. Um, but in my head, I'm like, yeah, Twister and Crazy Bone going at it to see who could spit the fastest. And that's the only reason I loved it. Yeah. But I always went to, like, Crazy Bone because I love Bone Thugs and Harmony. Bone Thugs is actually where I got my start in hip-hop, mm-hmm. man. Um, it was the first CDs and tapes that I... Tapes, really. Tapes. It was the first tapes that I ever <laughs> bought. The first old. CD I ever bought was Rage Against the Machine, but I had been listening to Bone Thugs. I listened to Bone Thugs before I met you, and like in middle school, I was in the sixth grade with the copy of their tape. I don't remember the name, but it was yellow with a cartoon Grim Reaper and the four of them standing underneath it. It came out before any of that shit, and I just grabbed it. Um, I learned from my brothers. You just go to the cheap tapes, grab one, listen to it. If it sucks, who cares? But you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's where my that's where I started with music, which is so unlike a lot of people start with music, right? You start listening to what you like. My parents listened to nothing but gospel music, so I didn't really care. We never listened to the radio. I didn't know what popular music was or anything. Um, we had. New kids on the block shit around. <laughs> and Striper. You remember Striper? Oh, fucking Striper. Yeah. Christian 80s hair metal. Yep. Oh, really? To Hell with the Devil, songs like that. To yeah. Hell with the Devil. That's pretty much exactly pretty it. Much. Yes. And that's Go literally. To heaven. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. Is that wrong? Um, but yeah, we just started like grabbing music. Then Garrett like went and visited one of our cousins in New York and came back with. He, tons of stuff, but what I remember is... <laughs> like, Let me tell you about some hip hop. No, what, what I remember most is he came back with Hip Hop and Primus. Mm. Now, I've never checked him with him. I'm sure that he had some of this shit before he went there, but I just remember him coming back from New York, and I heard Primus for the first time. And I was like, this is... All right. And then I heard Wu-Tang, and I was like, all right. And then I heard Hieroglyphics, and I was like, well, this is just my fucking shit. This Wu-Tang is everything. Wu-Tang playing ain't nothing to fuck yeah. with. 
Oh, um, man, don't don't send don't send your kids to New York. They're gonna come back with either AIDS, <laughs> drugs, or Primus. <laughs> or Primus. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how I mean, just buy random shit, and I found Bone Thugs through that, and then just kind of watch them get popular with Crossroads and all that kind of shit. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I've been listening to this shit for too long already. Like I, I had that one. And then the album after that had the explicit lyric thing on it, and I got grounded for owning that. My mom found that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so me and Bone Thugs go way, way the fuck back. Mm-hmm. They are my first like hip hop love. I loved that shit. I loved. I think my first CD I ever listened to. I used to go in my dad's stash and I grabbed the Prince album. And I don't forget which one it was, but it has a girl just moaning on it the whole time. <laughs> and so I'm, that's like three. It's three different Prince albums. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was just her like just moaning. I'm like, I know what is. I was like, what is this? What is this fascination coming yeah. over my body? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then I will grab uh, my first Bone Thug song that I fell in love with was Ecstasy. Okay, that was my hands down. That's my shit. Okay, because it's just like. I feel so seen. Ziggity, 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 ziggity. Ecstasy. <laughs> Come fuck with me. I was like, yes. Before I, I forget, let me round this 360. <laughs> Speaking of like guilty pleasures and stuff, mm-hmm. learning. I mean, I knew I loved Prince, but I had a. I thought it was a guilty pleasure enjoying. Um, what's the name of the song? What's the name of the song? Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, he wrote that song. No, exactly. Yeah. You think it's a guilty pleasure until you realize, oh, it's a fucking Prince song. Of course I fucking love yeah. this song. It's a Prince song. <laughs> Prince puts a fingernail on it. It's fucking pure yeah. platinum. So I don't like, give a damn. Like, 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 like suddenly you have an out. It's like, no, guys. No, it's Guess cool. what? <laughs> I've been driving down the road going, nothing compares. And, and it's all good now. It's all good. There's, I'm like that with Sia now. Like, I fucking really? love Sia, bro. <laughs> I fucking love to see it. I will be fucking blasting Chandelier, but I pretend like I'm listening to a rap song. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love to see it, bro. I love that woman. I just don't really get into anything anymore. Like, I put a post up on Facebook the other day um, that was, it was a funny uh, gif from Bob's Burgers um, of a kid listening to the headphones, but it said, you know, me listening to the same five songs every day. Mm-hmm. That is literally me to a T. Oh, uh, wow. They are five very strange songs that have no combination with each other. Um, but it, it changes. It'll get up to about ten. But I don't listen to new stuff. I don't pay attention. You have to force me to. And then I might get into it afterwards, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how I found Kendrick. That's how I found Vince Staples is literally somebody forced me to. And then I fell in love with him, you know. Somebody forced me to listen to... Um, ASAP's album, and I fell in love with ASAP. But if you don't, I don't give a fuck. I just want to hear <laughs> my five or ten songs right mm-hmm. now. Right now, they are. I get goosebumps still every time I hear "Stuck on You" by Lionel Richie. It's one of the greatest fucking songs in the world. If you ask me, go back okay. and listen to it. Okay, absolutely beautiful. Starting off with a banger. I'm really big into chord progressions. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you play the guitar, you might understand this. But there's only so many C's, <laughs> A's, D's. When you said that, I don't play guitar. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like the, <laughs> well, he didn't say bass. He can't look no. at me. No, like the. <laughs> <laughs> look, my gaze is moving between you two. Fuck off, and you know it. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, ninety percent of music is written with four chords. So anything that comes away from that, anything that travels away from that, like. 
it's like 90% of the music we all love four chords and if yeah. nothing it's different chords but in the same progression meaning this chord then five steps up three steps back two steps up and then back to the original chord so it's all about structure right mm-hmm. i play the piano and the guitar too it's not just djing stuff so i pay a lot of attention to progression of how the music flows and if you're four chords if you're five chords if you're repeating if you're whatever that's cool man but every time you get right outside of that Every time, that's why MF Doom is one of the greatest rappers in the world, is because you think you know exactly where he's going. You're ready for that next line that he's about to say, and then he doesn't say it. Like, an interview with him, they asked him how, what his writing style was like, and that's it. He writes it, and then he listens to it, and he says, as soon as I can tell where I'm going, I go back and I rewrite that part to kind of throw you off. That way you're always listening to MF Doom. You're always going, where the hell is he going with this? You know, um, So... That's what I love about him, and that's what I love about good music. That's why I can't get enough of, like, Wilco. Wilco has the most beautiful Mm -hmm. chord progressions in the entire world. They are not just A, B, F, D, E. They are roaming all over the place. And Stuck on You is kind of like that. It doesn't go all over the place, but it's not using your basic five chords. It Mm -hmm. is flowing, and you get a lot of that with all the Jackson 5 that I listened to, you know, all the stuff that was, you know, written by Quincy. All that stuff just has mad progressions like not just mm-hmm. your basic chord structure so yeah that's uh that's why i love that song can i go on about <laughs> fucking lionel richie anymore um, <laughs> um take me home by phil collins has been in rotation heavy mm-hmm. uh but also a lot of genesis this week <laughs> a lot of fucking genesis um bobby caldwell uh let me tell you something mm-hmm. uh I have been the guy. I have been the guy for 10 years now breaking people's hearts and letting them know that is not just a white man. That is like a four and a half foot Jewish white man. (laughs) That man. That man. (laughs) With the funkiest shit you've ever heard in your life. It's the whitest man. Yes. And and the songs that you wear in suits, suits, man. This motherfucker's song, um, Breakaway, is my shit. Oh, yeah. That whole album with, uh, with him and. What do they call it? Uh, cool Uncle. Mm-hmm. That's a great name for a group. Uh, somebody that old, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but dude, that song with him uh, on the Cool Uncle album with Mayor Hawthorne, Game Over. Game Over, yeah. It's over. That's a fucking Game banger. Over. When Game Over came out, talk about repeating songs. It was nothing but Game Over. Over mm-hmm. and over and over and over again for literally three months. That's the only song I listen oh, to. You I would my, not go to anything else. You go my Spotify right now, Bobby Caldwell's like number three, <laughs> it's, and, it, and it's and it's and it's right next to Big Frida. But see, the, <laughs> the Bobby Caldwell that I love is like first, second albums, like mm-hmm. way back in the day. Not even. You know, what's the one that everybody knows? The dog toy is throwing me off, but what's the what was the Bobby Caldwell that everybody knows? Oh, um, I guess you wonder where I've been. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um even that one's like it's cool, it's great. I've gotten enough of it. I came back to you, you, you gotta you gotta go you, you all the way. To, no, you, <laughs> you gotta go all the way to the part where he stands up and everybody realizes it's a white man. Because like, yes, yes. <laughs> it starts off in like this shadow and this silhouette. Oh, that's a brother. He gets up and he starts doing his old white man juke. <laughs> it's like the man when I play that song, it's called, it's called "In the Name of Love" and it's mm-hmm. by Bobby Caldwell. But you play that for anybody, and it is just the corniest. Douchiest '80s love song you've ever heard. I'm just corny, <laughs> corn balls. Mm-hmm. But when I hear that song, man, I listen for those chord progressions. And everybody says that they feel music. You know, I don't listen to music. I feel music. I literally get goosebumps every time I hear the right song. Mm-hmm. Like my body reacts to it. My hair stands up. Like I literally feel mm-hmm. chord progressions. And it's 
that's what I listen for these days. I used to listen for the best lyrics, and now all I care about is how the music is flowing, which is why I am not as judgmental as I used to be about music. You know, mm-hmm. I, I missed out on so much musical education because I thought that Tupac was too popular for me to listen to them. Because I only wanted to listen to people who were unpopular. It's something that we wanted to do in middle school and high school, right? You didn't want to listen to just Not everybody me. on the I, TV. I, I, whoever I, I listen to. Whatever. I guess that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you I, were, was, I was heavy into popular shit. No, totally, totally. Yeah. And I'm uh, the reason you know that Hoobastank song. <laughs> <laughs> Don't add me. Uh, which, <laughs> which four? Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, um, I just was really interested, in it, especially like if I liked something and then it became popular, then I stopped liking it. Yeah, you're like, like that's how much of a dickwad I was about music. <laughs> yes, really, I, it is just about the feeling that you get. I don't give a fuck if you're the smartest person making the most words rhyme. Go fuck yourself. Who gives right. a shit? Like, just make something I can bob my head to and enjoy myself mm-hmm. to, and that's what music. Should I am really a do, I am a huge fan of two people right now. And and I can't I can't get enough of well really three um I think it, I think the I don't know if it's a group or whatever it was X X Y Y Z Z something like that and um Brandon Camper and Kamasi Washington oh yeah yeah, yeah. and also and also and also Thundercat yeah but I I love those three <laughs> those three gentlemen because they're they're puffy they're puffy black man you know what I'm saying. <laughs> And they wear extravagant clothing, and I and I just love them because they just they just play music. Yeah, and it's and it's like Kamasi Washington Street Fighter Moss is I will I will I will walk to that shit. Yeah, like, yeah. I will just turn it on and just walk to it. It's almost like, but it's again progressions. Man. Yeah, like they, he's doing things that nobody's really thinking of. Just going in these, taking you in these different directions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. Um, another odd one uh, out of the gate is Always by Atlantic Star. Mm-hmm. I, I've been listening to that song four times a week for ten years now. I mm-hmm. cannot get in that. Something about the flow of that song drives my brain wild. I don't know what it is, man. Um, but then um, What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. What a fool believes. <laughs> there is something pure genius <laughs> about that song. The blood wait, what's my uh-huh. Tony Baker loves that song. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> Tony I, Baker's a, a uh, Instagram comedian, ah, okay. and he's and he uh, when he's the when he plays as a crocodile because he does animal videos. He's that's the song he'll sing like "What a Fool Believes He Sees." <laughs> but man, that's that's why I am so glad that I got into hip hop because I used to listen to music and think that I knew everything about music, and I know mm-hmm. music, but. Once you start really listening and getting into and studying hip-hop, you realize that you don't know shit about music. Right. Because hip-hop is actually made from all the other music. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love Thank about it. Thank you, George Clinton. No, absolutely. Well, <laughs> I, the idea of sampling one thing to make another seems lazy to some people, but mm-hmm. to people like me, it seems absolutely genius. It's ab- Even if you just add... Still fucking brilliant to me. Mm-hmm. I love turning something into something else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, MF Doom made a career off of that. Samples a record, loops it, and then just puts simple drums under it, and then wraps his ass off over it and mm-hmm. makes it incredible. And I'm addicted to finding his samples. But 
Once I started getting into it and realizing that, you know, these aren't violins in the studio. This isn't a drum set in the studio. This is somebody taking an old record. I wanted to find those old records. Mm-hmm. That's how I got into jazz. That's how I got into R&B. That's how I got into blues. That's how I got into psychedelic rock. I didn't know there was such a thing. Like, until you go digging for some Dilla samples and you realize that half of them are psychedelic rock from other countries, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other thing, again, that blew my mind is is finding out that these guys are sampling Scandinavian psychedelic <laughs> rock records to make their rap songs. As much as they are sampling... Um, I don't know, Les Paul records, you know, what mm-hmm. like anything in the fucking world. And again, I thought I knew music cause I just listened to what I liked and thought that I had an opinion about it. But then once I started realizing how much fucking music there was out there, you hit this point where you're just like, Christ, how many genres are there? Like how many, and, and if you think about it, like how many people have recorded and then didn't sell a copy, Mm-hmm. There's enough music to last us a lifetime out there that we will never hear. That's true. Much less yeah. the music that we do hear. Mind-blowing to me. And so that's why you see, you know, 20 piles of records around you in my house is because mm-hmm. I, I didn't become a DJ to DJ. I became obsessed with vinyl. I became obsessed with um, owning that record and owning that noise and being able to change that noise. Because you couldn't really change it that much on a tape player. To me, I hadn't figured out how people could. Um, you can't really change it on a CD. You can't really change it on. But um, there's this really weird producer named Nalt Human, and <laughs> yes, and music producer. And he was one of the guys who was very heavily pushing like DJ Cubert and Mixmaster Mike when they were coming up. And the way that he describes record manipulation and scratching his stuff is he says that, you know, since you can stop and pull back and replay and stop and re and change and switch the orders up of things is that you're manipulating time with your hands. Now, he's trying to be really weird, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But fuck if that doesn't that make sense. That's a That's a pretentious ass way to say it. it. But when you're in college and you think that DJs are the coolest things in the world and you finally get to watch a documentary about it and that's what somebody says, you go, I want to do that. <laughs> Yo, Austin, where can we follow you at? Uh, Social media wise. If you will grace us with such uh, things, I am Brickabrac the DJ with underscores between Brickabrac and the and DJ um, on Instagram, and then I am Brick A Brack. First name Brick, middle name A, last name Brack, and that's B R I K. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me on Facebook. But like I said, I'm not really. I don't post on social media. I just watch on social media. I just like things and go through. So you won't be seeing a lot from me <laughs> if you do go follow me. Um, so not to be a buzzkill on that one, but not big on promoting myself on social media, more just watching other people. <laughs> Apologize. My dogs are being too rambunctious. They're having too much fun, but they just met two days ago and they're best friends. Yeah. Take well, I guess more importantly, go put some boca in your boca. Yeah, Is that go a- go eat some Brussels sprouts and some pizza. Yeah, mm-hmm. bitches, bitches. If you like thin crust, you can eat any time of day. Our pizzas are called the Rotonde Pizza. They have a nice fluffy edge crust for you to eat, but the pizza itself is nice and thin. And then, if you like a thicker crust, go during lunch and get our Italio Special, our Roman style pizza. Um, but either way, get yourself some Brussels sprouts and some Parmesan-tasting ham. 
<laughs> or some, what was the duck stuff? <laughs> duck liver. Yes. Okay. Or if you want to be fancy and quote uh, Top Chef and all those things, you'll finally get to eat foie gras. That was that what that is? That's duck liver. Foie gras is duck liver. Oh, God. There's a, there's a whole world of food shit that I'm just completely just dumb to. Just, <laughs> uh, that's the best thing about working at Heinz Community College, man, is I've worked my whole life as a chef busting my ass, cooking everybody food. Now I teach a class. I start teaching at 8.30 in the morning. At 8.45, a student walks in with a cup of coffee and gives it to me <laughs> in the middle of my lecture. And then... <laughs> I get done with that class, start my next class, and about 30 minutes into that, students just start piling in. Taste this. Taste this. So I literally get paid to stand and talk shit while people bring me food to eat. That's my life right now. That's amazing. (laughs) It is the craziest thing. I've never, never thought that my life would lead to this because it's just been busting my ass as a chef my whole life. But I literally, like, I don't even have to make my coffee in the morning now. It's fucking awesome. These students are amazing um and again they're doing it on their own accord they want to serve that's their point they're not doing it because they think they're going to get a good grade out of me they enjoy seeing people smile they enjoy i enjoy taking somebody you know a cup of coffee so i completely understand it but it's also a great life when it's fucking pasta day (laughs) and the students have made 16 different goddamn types of pasta and sauce and noodles and shrimp and crab and lobster and Jesus. Mm-hmm. I get to do that. I get to taste that. <laughs> well, with that being said. <laughs> Yo, if y'all want to come check out the students, too, that'd be a nice little plug. Um, we probably have two more of them left this semester. Uh, but you can call uh, my office, 601-987-8155 at Heinz, and I'll put you in touch with uh, our front of house manager. Because the second eight weeks of every semester, on as many Thursdays as we can, we serve lunch to the public. And it's the dining room management class doing the service and the culinary principles two class cooking. You lunch. Oh, that's cool. And so this their students, they're learning don't expectations, guys. Keep them yes. low. Like I've gotten a haircut yeah. at Heinz. I know. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> the best part about it though is you get anywhere from we've done three large courses up to six or seven small courses mm-hmm. for ten dollars. That's ten not bad. bucks. Mm-hmm. So last week we paid ten bucks. We had fresh made challah bread with flavored butters. We had a warm asparagus and mushroom salad with goat cheese fritters, and then a wine and cheese stuffed pork tenderloin with uh, steamed vegetables. Just yeah, and then a homemade New York cheese turtle cheesecake, you know, with caramel and peanuts and chocolate and all of that. It was ten dollars, and it was enough to fill you up real, real, real fast. Yeah. So you have to get your reservations in. We only have 32 seats, something like that. Um, but you get in there, like I said, man, 10 bucks is the best meal you can have for 10 bucks in this whole fucking town, if you ask me. Just be nice to the students. Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Papa Bear, come get your ass. This has been a very fun episode. Yeah, I don't even know if there was a point. We just kind of talked about everything. Yeah, no, no we, no, we, 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 hit, all, we hit all the points. <laughs> we definitely hit all the points. <laughs> I didn't know if y'all came in here with a no, plan. No, we definitely hit all the points. My plan was to take a shot and see where the night took me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took you very well, my uh, friend. If y'all know me, I don't, I don't drink that much, so mm-hmm. I had to... You know, felt like I needed to take a little well, half a well, shot to loosen up a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. I don't huh. really talk about myself that much, I don't think. Well, you, you hear among friends. Yeah, of course. So it was yeah. definitely like, you know, we weren't going to pressure you to do some shit. <laughs> it's like, the hell? Come on, man. No, but I'm literally, my, my social anxiety is to the point these days where, like, if 
if you're not ready to hold the hold up pretty much the entire weight of the conversation, <laughs> do not talk to me. Right. Because <laughs> well, how's it going? That's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> well. <laughs> deep breath and hope nobody says anything else. <laughs> well, I'm freaking out. <laughs> what about exactly you? It. Yeah, you've got to keep the whole conversation going. Yep. So. Michael yeah. Jordan wasn't black. Bobby Caldwell is a Mexican. I need to go. <laughs> Space Jam 3. A bush hog is neither a bush nor a hog. <laughs> <laughs> and it does neither. <laughs> okay, Seinfeld. What's up with grape nuts? No grapes, no nuts. <laughs> Why do airplane bathrooms? This man got famous just pointing out shit. Anyway. Anyway. For Sergio Hugo. <laughs> For Austin Lee, a.k.a. DJ Brick-A-Brack, I'm Robin Morris. You've been breached, baby. Thanks for listening to the Reality Breached Jackson Spotlight. Music was provided by Donche of the Black Pocket Podcast. Follow his work at soundcloud.com slash Donche did it. Is there someone in the Jackson area that you think deserves a spotlight? Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter, both at Reality Breached, to tell us who. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast app or visit realitybreach.com for more details.